Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, amid glass and steel towers, in the heart of the South's largest city with the busiest airport in the world, this is The Conversation Cafe, a weekly internet radio show that interviews fascinating guests who are engaged in a verbal exchange of sentiments, observations, opinions, and ideas that educate, empower, and enlighten. Well, you know that age-old saying, if you change something in history, it might change something right now. This is Conscious Radio for our Conscious People. There would have never been special education had there not been school desegregation. And now, here are your hosts, A. Raquel and Mahogany Dawn. Welcome back to another edition of the Conversation Cafe. We are your hosts, A. Raquel and Mahogany Dawn, and we're coming to you live from Studio 3408 here in Atlanta, Georgia. Nice, kind of warm Atlanta, Georgia this evening. I tell you, I've been enjoying the warm weather. Don't know what to expect next, but I've been enjoying the warm weather. It's a it's a great change um, as opposed to the cold weather. Of course, I know some of my northern Brothers and sisters can't say the same because they are actually, I believe, today receiving more snow, and they are up to their eyeballs, literally, in snow. Wow. I don't know what I would do if I was to open my door and it was just a wall of snow. I think I might panic. I know I would. uh, First of all, we're not used to snow in that magnitude. I think the most we've had... But that type of experience was last year when they had the, uh, the snowstorm. Yeah, we had a couple of snow on the highway and things of that nature. Yeah, and it was more ice really than snow. Right. I think that if, I'm just telling you, if I open my door and snow is literally covered, I mean, to the top of my door seal, and I look out my window and my windows are covered because snow is up to the roof of my house, I would just freak out. Yes, I think a lot of people are, too. Um, they've been indoors for quite a while. Some, I know people are getting cabin fever as well as concern. There are There is concern about their homes in terms of the snow being on the roofs. You have some collapsing buildings around, and just imagine when the ice begins to melt. Um, I'm sure there's going to be, they're going to be subjected to flooding as well. So our prayers and um uh, Start to go out to those individuals in those in the Boston area. I think um, New York, up in New York areas, and anywhere that they are having snow that magnitude. I think I saw on the news that they have um, have not had this much snow in 61 years, and I think it surpassed the capacity in that 61 year period. So, um, I shout out goes to those listeners listening in that in those cities to the conversation cafe and we wish you well. I know if we had a way to get you out we would. Definitely. So the only thing we can tell you is to stay safe. Um you know, try to get the snow off your rooftops if you can because of course I our from listening to the news reports, you know, with that much snow accumulating that it, it becomes very, very heavy. 
and waited, and they've had some buildings to to collapse, you know, under the weight of the snow being on the roof. So if you, if is that all possible, you know, and it's safe, you know, get out there and try to um, and, get the snow off. And if you know any any one of your neighbors or you know elderly people around that you can assist, help them as well. Because at this point, it's going to take a team effort. Um, people humbling themselves and you know just giving their support, encouragement. Um, you know, giving them the opportunity to get to know the people that live live around them, and you know, just pitch in and help each other, and uh, hopefully, all will be well. And then you can show kindness to one another uh, throughout the process that makes you a stronger community. For sure, without a doubt. Well, of course, as always, you know, this is the month of February, and th- throughout the month of February, we as African Americans are taking time out of our hectic schedule, and we hope that you really do it 365, but just in case you don't, because, I mean, um, if you're African-American and you wake up every day and you're African-American, then to me you you celebrate you every day. Every day is a celebration because it's nothing new about us, but hopefully you're taking the time out of this month, as we discussed last week, and educating someone who may not necessarily know about how we as a group of people, as a race of people, um, have contributed to the building of this nation and let it not slip past about the contributions, the sacrifices that those who have gone before us have made. You know, take time out to educate and enlighten your children about the sacrifices made, the inventions, that were um, thought of and built and implemented and and even some of the things that we do and utilize today were built by some um, African-Americans, was created by African-Americans, and they may not necessarily have received their due or their their just due recognition in that. And so, you know, tell them a little bit more about our culture. You know, tell them a little bit more about where they came from or where, or basically, yeah, where they came from. Because if, in order for them to have a future, they have to understand the past. And the past is important. And no matter how dramatic or traumatic it may have seen and may be, it's still important and it's, and it's valid. It's, import, it's, it's, um, it's necessary, right. you know. Uh, so it, I encourage you to enlighten them about where we as a culture of people came from and what we did along the way to survive and how we are where we are today. Right, and we're still in the surviving process. Uh, It's a never-ending thing for It seems to be a never-ending thing for us. And as long as we're here, we're going to be successful, we're going to be productive, and we're going to make great contributions to society. So, Again, welcome to the Conversation Cafe, and we are celebrating not only Black History Month, but we are also celebrating love for the month of February since um, Valentine's Day is coming up on Saturday. I'm sure that all those individuals have gotten all of their gifts, cards, flowers ordered, roses ordered for their significant others on Saturday. Well, we hope so, and if you haven't, you still got a little time. You still do. <laughs> you still do have time, and this evening we are going to that's why our relationships important in people's lives. So Mahogany Dawn and I are going to 
um, jump into that subject this evening. So we would like your comments and questions. You can send those over to us through uh, via Twitter at the Combo Cafe as well as Facebook at the Combo Cafe. And any of those, um, you want to send us questions via email, you may do so too at the, the Combo Cafe at gmail.com. Yes. And always remember that at any point in time throughout the show, if you'd like to chime in or you'd like to, uh, for us to answer a question or you have a question for us, then you can call us directly, 773-897-3986. You can go over to Facebook, Twitter, as ARKL said, at The Combo Cafe, and you can tweet us or you can Facebook us your questions, your comments. And if you are listening online at blogtopradio.com, forward slash The Conversation Cafe, then our chat lines will be opening up very shortly, and you can go over into our chat room and chat with us throughout the duration of this show. So, again, this is The Conversation Cafe, and as we are approaching our first break of the evening, we took time to, out of this show this evening, to celebrate our music. If you don't know anything about black music, and the contributions that black music has had on every type of music that we listen to, I urge you, I encourage you, I charge you to get to understand the root of our music, how it was created. And so we have a clip that we're going to share with you as we come up on our first break, and it goes through our music, the history of our music, from, and it starts as early as 1700. So what we like to say is that black music and black history are very closely intertwined. And for every period in the timeline of black history, there is a mood and a music that helps to tell our story. So for every level of struggle, there is a soundtrack of outpouring that has given faith and has allowed for survival. Black music has grown just as black people have grown. So during this month of Black History Month, let us all, black and white, briefly explore the origins of black music and the black experience. So this is the Conversation Cafe. We are your hosts, Erykel Mahogany Dawes. We're going to take that break. and During our break, we're going to let you experience our black music. Oh, I won't be here alone. Oh, 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 o
Later in the evening, child, I feel that Like blowing my home I woke up this morning and find my My little baby gone Thought that everything was on the square The buzzer tried to throw the monkey off his back But the monkey grabbed his neck and said Now listen, Jack
cause I'm close to the edge. I'm trying not to lose my head. <laughs> it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep them going under. Cafe. I hope that you enjoyed that. If you are just tuning in, that was our tribute to black music and throughout the history of time, starting back way back in 1700s, and we pretty much brought it forward to the 2000s. So those of you who heard it from the beginning, I hope that you can hear or that you've heard the influences that our music over time and throughout time has had on so many other genres that are now present that so many other people listen to, that we had a hand in those other genres and that they pretty much have pulled from our music throughout the time. What's your take on that, Erica? Well, I think that's a well-known fact. Uh, you know, people are still sampling things that have been uh, in existence for some time. I sometimes enjoy it, depending on who the artist is and uh, their artistic expression as it relates to, you know, that music that's always been around. I know a lot of conversations taking place in reference to the performance by Beyonce on um, the Grammy Awards in reference to Precious Lord. A lot of people went out to see the movie Selma and know that Lettuce was played, not only played Mahalia Jackson, but she also sang that particular hymn. And, you know, there was a lot of Twitter. Yeah, there was a lot of conversation. Yeah, in terms of, you know, whether or not Beyonce did a great job, 
Um, Leticia did make a comment. I believe that she should have been able to uh, perform it, but the the information that was received that um, John Legend stated that Beyonce called him and asked if she could sing it. My thing was um, Leslie uh, put her foot in it in the movie, and I think she should have been given the opportunity to, you know, sing it at the Grammys. Um, well, at least a portion of it. Uh, I know. I, I know. For, I didn't care for Beyonce. I mean, I know Beyonce asked, and and I think that was just her way of probably being involved. But she also won some awards, so she really didn't have to perform. But I think that they should have also given Legacy the opportunity to sing at least a portion of the song, whether it was the ending and she came in, you know, and they collab. But I understand what people are saying is that they should have just let Legacy sing the song, period, because Beyonce really didn't do it justice. No, she didn't. But, you know... But you know, but it was more. It, 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 it was more about ratings. Yeah, because of the fact that the Grammys, more people were going to watch because Beyonce was going to be on there. Well, she was going to be on there anyway. And then they held her off to the end. Yes, they did. And she and uh, Lexi were in the same category, competing for the same uh, in the Grammy um, category R&B singers, I think, female singers. And she did win, so I think um, I think it would have been a better. But a win, a win is not like. Is not the same as performing. I'm saying. I mean, because you know, I mean, you know, a lot of artists are going to win. Well, yeah, but I, I think that Lucy would have done a better, did the song justice. Oh, and I don't think a compilation would have been to the best interest of Beyonce. I'm just gonna, I mean, just hands down, I think Lucy is a better singer. Well, I guess, I guess the thing that I I guess the, the other question would be is why would Beyonce call them? To sing a song that she knows that a fellow artist sung well, or has sung. You know, I mean, it's not like Lettucey calling them saying, I want to sing a Beyonce song, Drunk in Love or something. Well, you know, I, I saw the explanation I mean, she gave this morning uh, on a, uh, a news channel, and she said that she wants to, you know, be, that was her way of giving back, and she said, you know, her mother first sang the song to her when she was a child, and her father was the first uh, black man that was able to do certain, I forgot what it was, the first black man to do something, and that was a way of giving a tribute to her dad, but, you know, knowing the press, you know, knowing the press that's surrounding her and her dad, I just didn't see her, I didn't, I didn't think that was a great explanation, you know, um, for what she done, uh, she's, uh, I didn't think it was a great explanation, knowing that the relationship that she and her father had had in the past and they currently have. So I just think that was a scapegoat or an explanation to smooth things over knowing that she didn't do a great job. Well, it seems like to me that she didn't learn a lesson the first time from Etta James. So, you know, I, eventually Beyonce is not going to learn until she gets her feelings hurt. Well, I mean, I don't think at this point. I mean, you should have learned the first time. Well, I don't think she would look at it that way. I think people... Like you said, um, they know Beyonce was going to be performing. They didn't know, I don't think, what she was going to be performing. Um, if they wanted her to perform, I'm sure there was another part of the show that she could have um, performed in or during that time and then let let her go and, and sing a song and do it justice. So um, I saw great comments. A lot of people thought that it was great. And uh, Robert Roberts even pointed out this morning that let us put her foot in it. When she sung the song um, in the movie itself, oh, so, yeah. you know we have a certain expectation when it comes to first floor, and I like the way the diplomatic way that Leslie said that maybe people in Beyonce's 
a generation would enjoy the at least they know the song, I know about the song because Beyonce has introduced it to her generation. So, you know, if that if that if that's the fact you know, you know, but that was a diplomatic way of saying, you know, I know I could have done a better job to me, but that's my interpretation. That they were Carol's interpretation, not Lettuce's interpretation. So with all that said, you know, let's celebrate black history. Let's celebrate each other. Let's um, collaborate when we can collaborate. Um, let's be um, supportive of one another. And let's you know, just do what justice is deserved. Okay, and speaking of the, that generation or the younger generation, have you have you heard? I'm sure you have. You may have. You have. I know you have uh, younger nieces and nephews. Have you heard the word fleek? F L E E K fleek. Wow. Oh my God. What is? It's like the young people using it now. Um, it you know they may walk up to you and say, "Oh, your hair is on fleek," or that bag you're carrying is on fleek. Okay, so you said it. Well, when I because I, I had to look it up myself. You know, to figure out like what they saying before they get cussed out. Because you know, you walk up to me to myself, oh, you on fleek? I think you're trying to cuss me out. You know what I'm saying? Or something. You might get cussed out back. So I had to go to the Urban Dictionary, of course, and it, and it's just another word used to say on point. Why you can't say on point? Well, you know, everybody wants. To oh, be that bag is on point. You know, your hair is on point. Be creative. Everyone wants to point their words. Uh, you and I have discussed this uh, many times about when we were younger how we thought. We can uh, substitute for curse words, you know, so, you know, this generation is no different than than we were. You know, we try to find something. Yeah, but, but, but I remember when we had those words that were real close to curse words. Yeah. And you bought in there, you got your teeth knocked down in your throat. You're right. Because your parents were like, oh, no, you're trying to curse. Man, I'm telling you, uh, let 14, 15-year-old walk up to my, oh, you on sleep. You're like, what the what did you just say? But then, you know, it's the same, it's same difference to me. You know, we give an opportunity to correct ourselves, and they don't have to be given an opportunity to correct themselves as well. But, I, yeah, you're absolutely correct. But I think the part, but the thing that really gets me is now you had a 40-something talking about, oh, that was on fleek. No. Let the, let the teenagers say that. Right. I don't want urban, you 40-something, yeah, 30-something saying on fleek. Right. I, I agree with you. That's that's a no no. That is a no no. Right, right. So we're gonna keep moving on with this. For those of you just tuning in, welcome to the conversation cafe. This I am Adrian. Uh Raquel. Are you? Hey Raquel. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm here. for about two years, 
and now he wants, he's ready and he wants to start, yes, a family. And the problem that the wife, quote unquote, is having mm-hmm. is that she cannot have children because she used to be a he. So has, but the husband doesn't know. So and she I'm had to, that the surgery has. Uh, yes, yeah, she 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 did a complete gender 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 transformation prior to meeting him, okay. and she never disclosed to him that she used to be a he. And so they fell, I guess they fell in love, okay. they got married, they're now two years into the marriage, and he said, let's start a family. How do you break that to someone? I mean, how do you tell, sure. how do you tell your, your significant other or your husband or wife how you that you, you used to be the opposite sex? Gingerly, and hopefully it's over the phone, and why are you in another state? Because evidently that, that person may not come from that area. And so this person... That's apparent that they're not from the area. Right. And, and most, emotions are involved. What, you know, what people, I think, fail to realize is when um, you connect with someone, it, it, it's strictly really about emotions, really. Um, what that person does for you emotionally and the physical aspect of it comes uh, along later because, you know, most men are attracted initially to women. Um, the physical first. You know, they they, uh, they uh, well... It's usually the physical okay. that causes that draws them in to have some type of conversation. Okay. It's usually they like they like your face right. or your body right. or your hair. It's something physical mannerism. that mannerism. It's always something physical that you are doing or have or possess that usually sparks the conversation that gets them to to notice you and at least say that they're interested. Well, I don't, so okay. Let me ask you this: What was the advice that was given? Well, you know, the advice was off the chain. Was like, how can you be two years in and never, as a man, never know that your wife used to be a he? Well, and 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 the rationale that they gave is that pretty much, if you had had some, if you if you well, okay, let me stop being around this because this is this is internet radio and we keep it real on the conversation cafe. But if you've had if you've ever had sex. With with a true female, that you should know the difference as a true male, that the difference in the feel, the 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 look of it possibly. Mm-hmm. So, only thing I could say is that if he didn't know the difference, a couple of things could have been could be the case. That one, he's a virgin, Yay! and two, I know this is this is unbelievable, and and or two, the people who did the, the reassignment surgery. Was some slam up on point folks that know how to do their thing. Well, hey, you know, I I, I can't speak for it because you know I don't have no full knowledge of it. And I mean, hey, I, I know it's going to be a difficult situation. What I would suggest is they go and seek um, counseling or speak with a uh, psychologist or you know, psych- I mean, and I guess it's going to be needed on both sides. It's going to be needed on a lot of sides. But I guess this is how we, we can segue into this relationship piece. Mm-hmm. Because when we start talking about why relationships are important to people's lives, because here you have two people who are married. And when I think about my significant other, it's no way that we can be intimately involved. And I have never, ever 
met or talked to anyone from their immediate family. And so my thing would be is what was his wife's family saying? If he's met them, you know, because now for me, not necessarily my immediate family, but I got some loose lips, second, third bloodline, down the line folks who would probably tell him, hey, dude, you know that used to be my cousin, Tim? Tim, isn't that Tina? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, it, because that's just how they are. And so, you know, or they would have come up to him and kind of like insinuated. They may not have said straight out that oh, uh, your girl Tina used to be Tim, but they may say something like, dude, you straight? You sure you straight? You know, which would make him kind of guess or wonder, like, what, what, you know, what, what, like, what, what the hell am I, am I straight? Right. You know, like you sure you straight? You and you and oh, have you and my cousin had a conversation and talk? So that was that's how I have that's my relatives. You know, that's how some of them are now. Now, if I never if I never take you to a full full family reunion, now my immediate family might be a little tight lipped. They may not ever tell you because they may feel like, oh, that's up to my honey to tell you that. You know, not that I, not that I am now, so I don't want y'all to get get it twisted. I have one hundred percent female and show you baby pictures all the way from birth to now. Yeah, but, but hey, some people, some people now in society that we live in, whether they be immediate family or extended family or close friends, a lot of people feel as though that they cannot or would not um, cross the line in terms of disclosing you know, very personal information, they will feel like it was your responsibility to do that. And so if you, um, let, me, let me stop saying that, if an individual chooses not to disclose that, then they're going to have to reap the, um, they're going to have to reap the, the, the consequences of not yeah. stating that prior to them engaging into a relationship. I mean, because I think it's not fair to the male. And, you know, we don't know, we don't have, you know, this was a letter saying, sure, Ew, and well. they, were, they were giving that advice 30 seconds or less. <laughs> right. So, you know, I'm sure there are more uh, components to um, the scenario, and if the husband indeed does not know this is a female, like you said, there are two things that, that you came up with that, you know, I will go with the, um, the, the latter in terms of, Whoever the surgeon was is definitely a probably a very great surgeon, and if, if it's not, then there may be some questions in terms of the uh, the sexuality of the husband. But nonetheless, I, now what I can say, I remember when I was in college, I had a um, professor that was from England, an African um, professor from England. He lived in grew up in England, and he said that when he came to the United States, it was very, very, very hard for him to distinguish the two. And what what happened what happened to him was he actually went out with an individual that hadn't had the surgery, and he he only found out when they became intimate. But he knew after that once that took place uh, or, or was about to take take place, he knew indeed that it was a former former male. So he was able to get himself out of the situation. Now it wasn't a pretty situation initially, but I said no. Um, he he was uh, he did become aware of it during that time when they became intimate because there was he went on to explain to us that um, there were times when he tried to be intimate and they weren't intimate for up to a year mm-hmm. because you know they you know you know that yeah, you know yeah. the the typical excuses where you want to hold off to make sure we know each other better better and things of that nature so um, 
I don't know what, you know, I just think it's a delicate situation. And, and in terms yeah. of the, the male husband in this case, it's going to be hard for you to try to explain to him why you don't want to have kids and continue to have uh, sexual relations. And he may not, he may know that we're not using protection, you're not on the pill, so uh, you, unless you are medically um, not able to have kids, that we should be able to naturally have kids. So so would you keep, I guess, because I'm just going to say it like this, if you've been telling this lie for two years, then would you continue with the lie? Even if it's not, even if it wasn't a he that turns to a she, if it was just she and she turns into a he, would you continue with the lie and just pretty much say, like you said in the in the in the latter part of your statement, that it's something medically wrong and you cannot have kids, and then would either kind of sway him into doing surrogacy or adoption to not lose him, you know, or 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 her, because if you were a male and you were not born a male and your wife wants to have children then, you know, it would come down to you cannot produce any semen if you were not born a male. Well, so would you would you continue? And if they didn't know that, that you were female or male prior to, then would you continue with the law and just go on with the life and just say, hey, I can't, have, I can't do it because, you know, continue making up the story. Like, I got hurt when I was a kid and, no, and I, I, I can't have about, them. No, or would you just... Would no. you just no. go to counseling and divulge it to counsel? Well, I mean, and counseling will be a place, place to divulge the information, but I don't think I would have started out with the lie because it's been my experience in life that eventually that lie is going to be exposed at some point in time. Now, whether it's, it, whether it's uh, directly or indirectly, sometimes it's going to be exposed. And, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I rather, if, you know, based on my conversation with individuals and just based on my research, you know, people – uh, willing to make that sacrifice because it's something that they really want to do. Um, I would suggest uh, they prepare themselves that once it comes out, it's out, and then be prepared to do whatever is necessary for their safety and, be, and, and their um, mental stability at that point on both parts. Because I think eventually, um, with that being that sensitive, mm-hmm. she may be able to put him off for another year or so, but four years into it, you're not going to be able to put it off. Because you know, eventually you're gonna you eventually you're gonna meet somebody that that knew you before and after, or you're gonna be placed in a position where something is gonna take place. Now, what it is, you know, if I can give a good guess or don't take a guess, but just in time itself, will probably play itself out. And some people live their whole lives, and you never know who they truly, truly are until they are dead and gone. You know. Um, so if it's one of those scenarios, you know, I just think at this point, um, you know, because the way yeah, the husband feels and the way that the, the, the wife knows about it, the actions, her actions are going to eventually get her, put her in a position where she's going to have to explain herself. That's just my thought. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, it's just a hard place to be in. And um, it is a hard place, and unfortunately, you know, First and foremost, don't send a letter to a talk show that with to people that are not equipped or, or educated in terms of being giving sensitive you, to your you, situation and giving you, you sound advice. You become a, you become the butt of 
opportunity to go talk to a professional counselor. Right. Um, there are plenty of counseling centers around in the country. I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of uh, psychologists, you know, there where that individual may live and ask whether or not you can afford it. You know, there's something you could have done outside of sending a letter to a, a radio show where you're going to become the butt of a joke. You're going to become right. a joke. Just right. like That's just how I feel about it. Yeah. Uh, again, this is Conversation Cafe with Eric Allen Mahogany Dorn. We were talking about some sensitive subjects this evening um, that are surrounded by the fact that we want our audience to be enlightened and empowered, and we want you to have the opportunity to make sound decisions for yourself. Uh, we are talking about relationships during the month of February. Of course, you know that Saturday is Valentine's Day. Our discussion um, this evening is why are relationships important in people's lives, and I think we pretty much um, started off. We have. Um, rolling and into this segment. We have. It is sensitive subject, a very serious subject. So. It is, and I think that it's sensitive and serious because of the fact that having healthy relationships requires us to have some type of dialogue and communication. Just because they don't know doesn't necessarily mean our relationship is healthy. Right. Am I saying that you need to be an open book or you just need to spill the beans coming out the gate? No, don't scare them away. You know, but as time progresses in your past that may affect your future, then I, I think it is in your best interest to find creative ways or find ways to work it out, and to talk it out right. with your mate. Because if they truly love you, then, you know, it may not be as hard as we think sometimes. Mm-hmm. However, you still owe it to the other person in the relationship the opportunity to have a decision and to make a decision right. if you truly care for them. And so it's not just about, I know we start up the conversation talking about a husband and wife situation, but that doesn't just apply. It's not just applicable to husband and wives, but it's also applicable to friends. It's also applicable to brother and sister relationships, um, mother, daughter, father, son, son, um, mother, son, father, daughter, and grandma to grandchildren, aunts and uncles to nieces and nephews. It's applicable to any type of coworkers, neighbors, you know, um, Within reason, I mean, I think I, I I think that we all need boundaries. You have to have some boundaries, but I think that those things, once you establish that the ground and the boundaries, and you determine what type of relationship you're in and going to have with an individual, then certain things I think is, are cr- critical and crucial. So let's make a listen to Robert Stephen Chaplin, and he talks about the importance yeah. of relationships. He's from Harvard University. In order to reach your potential and do what you're really meant to do, you're going to need some help. You can't do this alone. You need coaching to do it. You need feedback, and you need people to talk to about your fears, your insecurities, your doubts. Uh, Sometimes you just need people to talk to for a reality check. The thing that struck me, really struck me and shook me, uh, when I came here to Harvard Business School is I would have a student come to my office and really talk to me about a difficult situation they're going through. And the first question I normally ask them is, who have you talked to about it? And invariably, the answer is almost always no one. And what I've realized is in this hyper-connected world we live in, 
people don't have that many relationships. Relationship means mutual trust, mutual respect, and mutual understanding. There's an exercise and three things I think you can do to help build understanding, trust, and respect, and that is self-disclosure. In order to have a relationship with someone and have them understand you, you have to tell them something about yourself. And I don't mean something superficial. I mean something fundamental about yourself, maybe your upbringing, your parents, traumas in your life, something that would help them understand you better. And a lot of people are so buttoned up, they don't ever do that. Number two, and when I say, I call it inquiry, which means asking someone a question that would help you understand them better. How many times does a senior person of the company take a trip with, it, with subordinates and they don't learn a damn thing about them in the entire business trip? Because they never ask, they never ask, just ask questions. A lot of us are not good at that. And then the third thing is, do you seek advice? You frame a situation that you want advice on or an area of self-doubt and ask advice. Just think how great you feel when somebody tries to seek your advice on something. I feel flattered. They're showing me a lot of respect. Now, why do I suggest doing those three things? They help people understand you better. They help you understand the person you're trying to have a relationship better. They build trust. And those three things help build relationships. And the reason I go through this in this book, you need to have relationships with people. You can't be an island. And more often than not, I find when people are struggling in their lives or have regrets, this is one ingredient that they failed to, uh, to work on. And so I'm trying to talk about how do you build a relationship so that you can actually go to work on doing it. Welcome back to the Conversation Cafe. I'm Eric Allen, and I'm in the studio with Mahogany Dorn. That was Robert Stephen Kaplan of Harvard University. He was stating the importance of relationships. And, again, we're celebrating uh, relationships this month with the Valentine's Day being on Saturday. So, And we're discussing why are relationships important in people's lives. So I think there were three great points that um, we can all live by, you know, um, to, to gauge our relationships with others. What do you think, Harry? I mean, I think I think what he said was vital and important. It was pretty much piggybacking off of what we started the conversation with saying about um, sharing and divulging information that's pertinent and important to the relationship and not just uh, being superficial and surface. Because I don't really think you get to know an individual when they're being superficial on the surface. I think I often, I, I think I've said to you uh, a few times in the past about when we go into settings where there are people, and my thing is always to come out knowing more about the individuals mm-hmm. that I encounter, mm-hmm. you know, to come away from the table or the event knowing more than I went in with. You know, because a lot of times we will do our homework, depending on what type of setting it is, we'll do our homework, and we, you know, we may, if they are famous or whatnot or well-known in the community, we'll, you know, we'll Google them and try to figure out some very general surface things that they may have put in their resumes, bios, whatnot. But I think my thing is to always delve a little bit further into who they really are. Because you know, like I know, resumes and bios are what we want people to know. Yeah, not only about it, what what we want people to know, but they are also uh, geared uh, 
operation geared at putting our best foot forward. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily getting the uh, in depth um, the the actual person. You know, mm-hmm. talking to them about their fears, their you know shortcomings. You know, what really do they want uh, people to know about them? Um, so when we put the bio together, you know, it's very um, diplomatic and tactful and um, with a stage to a degree, even though the information is true. Um, you may embellished. be embellished. It can be embellished. Um, you know, a lot of times because we we always want to put our best foot forward and we always want people to have a positive uh, frame of mind when they think of us at any time. We don't like to be associated with anything negative. We don't like to be associated with anything that may show our weakness because some people um, try to u- utilize or use our weakness against us, so we don't want to show those those characteristics. And for um, every negative, there is a positive. There is. Yeah. In, in the universe, when it comes to electricity or it comes to uh, the energy of human beings, right. and what we try to do is find a, a balance um, between that negative and that positive energy. And there's a place for all of it. You know what I mean? Because if, if there wasn't anything uh, that we did not like about ourselves, we wouldn't strive for improvement. Right. So, you know, um, there is a place for it. Um, but then uh, it also uh, can register as a gauge for you to, to strive to be better. You know what I mean? So um, that's some of the things that we all have to uh, learn to find out more about the people around us because what I, what I found is uh, a lot of people don't know how to engage others to find out information about others that's not superficial. I mean, really wanting to know. You Without know, coming off being, no, appearing to be no. Nosy. Um, but I think I think uh, if you're authentic, you can tell a, a person that's genuinely concerned and cares about your, wel- your welfare and your well-being. Well, and, and if you're not coming at an individual like a barking dog. Well, that's true. You know, I mean, you got to give the individual time to breathe and at least answer the question, the first question that was asked. You know, don't sound like a hammering reporter. Like, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And, and so, what do you? And so, what do you did it? You know, you got to give them a, a chance to breathe and answer the question. Think about the question. You know, before you move to the next one, and you may not. You know, and then and then as always, if you don't know the individual, there are boundaries. You know, I wouldn't ask someone. You know, I wouldn't walk up to a noted community figure and ask them something very intimate like, you know, about their spouse or their children, you know, outside of, you know, maybe you may sometimes ask questions like, what's your favorite thing to do with your children? Mm-hmm. You know, those things are very, to me, are surface. Or general. General. It's not too intimate. Right. I wouldn't ask them, you know, about do you bathe your children at night or, you know, that's, like, crazy. That's too much information. Yeah, and now they, they call us security. Yeah, I want to know why you're interested. Yeah, you know, they call us security and they're putting you on this list, right. on this watch list. So, I mean, there's, so. there's some very, um, there's, a, there's a way to listen, you know, there's a way to uh, observe without being intrusive, I think. And so sometimes, you know, um, I think that in society, I don't think people care about people like they used to. Um, I think we were having a Sunday, I was having this conversation with a group of individuals, and one of the uh, questions that came up in that uh, that conversation was, 
I know my neighbor. Why you don't know your neighbor? Where I come from, you know, I come from a rural area. A lady was uh, making a statement. I come from a rural area, and I know all of my neighbors. And I told her, you know, I'm from a a fairly small town in South Carolina, and everybody knew us, um, and there were still people in that town that didn't know me. Um, And I didn't know them, but they knew the name, you know, uh, the last name or whatever. But But I find that today, you know, a lot of people don't know their neighbors. They don't stop and say hi to people or they don't uh, say pardon me or um, I apologize. So everybody's in this mode of I got to get somewhere quick. I have something to do. I don't know you. I don't want to know you. So that that sympathy and the empathy that they would have for people, I don't think that's displayed unless you see a group of tight-knit individuals um, People's patience runs out very fairly quickly with people that they don't know. So it's like, you know, they'll sometimes, you know, you will see a stranger and you will say, okay, I, I have time, I can make time, you know, I'm, yes, I'm in a rush, but, you know, this is important. People really don't do that anymore. You, it's very far and few between when you really are able to personally experience something I mean, like you, that. You're, you're right. And I think that it's, it's just that people aren't making the effort to want to know people, to want to know their neighbors, to want to get to know their coworkers or their church members, you know, like like our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents knew each other. And I think that the sense of community was a lot closer back then, and it was probably for a reason because, of course, the times, the era, the struggle was you needed people to know that I wasn't if I wasn't at home at a certain time to come look for me, right. you know, because of the, the things that were transpiring in our communities during that era and time. But even like now we talk about the social media sites, and the first word you say is social, but they are so anti-social really because is. so many of us have so many friends. But I I guess I, I have to pose the question, are they, tr- are they your true friends or is it really about having huge numbers? Because when was the last time you really stopped to take a look to see what was really going on in an individual's life? And not just to be nosy, but to, but because you care. And then comment and make your comment worthwhile. Not just hit a like button, but to give them some words of encouragement. You know, the one thing on, on, the, social, on the social media sites that, I think it, it irks me. And every time I see it, I'm like, why do people do that? Do you not understand? It, it seems like it's insensitive. It's like, let's just say if a person says, I'm experiencing a bad day today, you know, I just lost my 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 great-grandmother, you know, we're going to miss her, you know, RIP Grandma JoJo. And everybody will hit like. What is there to like about that statement? I mean, what, do you understand like? Oh, yes, I'm saying, like, when I think that's the most, uh, outside of them having another uh, button that says, you know, my condolences or, you Take know. Take time to write it. Well, that's true. That is true. I to, me a low, that, to me, a low statement, they should never have any likes. Well, they can only have comments. But, they, you know, people, I don't think they think it out. I think that's their only way that they can show support. I mean, I don't, I don't say anything. I don't like stuff like that. So, um well, the way that I show support when, you know, it comes up and I see it and they're actually friends of mine, you know, um, that are on my set, well, I don't have any 
people that are on my social media sites that aren't friends, but because I, I only let in friends, okay? But, I mean, when I do see that, I take time to say praying for you, um, keeping your family in my prayers, right. you know, be encouraged. You know, this is just for the moment. Right. You know, things will get better with time. You know, I, I unless I've experienced what they've experienced, I can't say I understand right. what you're going through. Well, because that's, not an that, that's, that's not an answer. That's not an answer. Ever. To give to anyone that has because because even if I've gone through it, it's I still may not. Right. I still may not understand what you're going through. Right. And so, you know, I, I guess in this month of February, because we are dealing with love, and what I do know that this month can be very hard for some people. It, a lot of people can. A lot of people experience this month like they do Christmas. Thanksgiving and Christmas, Christmas New Year's. and New Year's. You know, because they may not feel like they have that individual to love them. But take a look at the relationships that you have in your life. You know, there there are people around you and, and who genuinely love you and care for you. They may not send you roses on on Saturday. They may not send you chocolates on Friday to your job. But if they've taken out a little bit of time to call you to say, hey, how you doing, it means just the same because so many people become depressed during this time and they become sad during this time because they're looking at all this stuff that their coworkers are getting, especially females, you know, are getting at work. And I can tell you the secret to that. You know, you two can call Sherry Berry. And uh, flowers, one eight hundred flowers, pro flowers, and you can send yourself a flower because that's what most of those helpers are doing anyway. Well, what we're gonna do is close out the show. We're listening to the conversation cafe this week with Eric Taylor Mahogany Dawn. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. What we're gonna do is take a time, take the time to play a special clip from Dr. Maya Angelou in reference to love liberate. And after that, we'll be closing out our show. We look forward to hearing from you on next. Tuesday, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. And also, like I stated, check us out on Twitter. And next Tuesday, we're going to be, we're going to move into our second part of this same topic. It's talking about why relationships are important. And we're going to talk about it on a different level. So join us next week. And in the interim, if you have any questions or comments that you would like for us to address in next week's show, send it to us via email at, um, via email, theconvocafe at gmail.com, or you can Tweet us or Facebook us your questions and your comments, and we'll address them next week. Again, know that if nobody else has said it to you today, say it to you tomorrow or throughout the rest of this week and weekend, we're going to say it to you here at the Conversation Cafe that we love you. Oh, I am grateful to be, have been loved and to be loved now and to be able to love because that liberates. Love liberates. It doesn't just hold. That's ego. Love liberates. When uh, when my son was born, I was 17. My mother had a huge house, 14-room house. At 17, I went to her and said, I'm leaving. She asked me, you're leaving my house? And she had live-in health. I said, yes, I've found a job, and I've got a room with cooking privileges down the hall, and the landlady will be the babysitter. 
She asked me, you're leaving my house. I said, yes, ma'am. And you're taking the baby. I said, yes. She said, all right, remember this. When you step over my door sill, you've been raised. You know the difference between right and wrong. Do right. Don't let anybody raise you and make you change. And remember this, you can always come home. I went home every time life slammed me down and made me call it uncle. I went home with my baby. My mother never once acted as I told you so. She said, oh, baby's home. Oh, my darling, mom's going to cook you something. Mother's going to make this for you. Love. She liberated me to life. She continued to do that. When uh, my son may have been five years old, my mother uh, would pick him up all the time and feed him. And I went to her once a month, and she would cook for me. So one day I went to her house, and she'd cooked red rice, which I loved. After we finished eating, we walked down the hill, and she started across the street. She said, wait a minute, baby. I was 22 years old. She said, wait a minute, baby. You know, I think you're the greatest woman I've ever met. She said, Mary McLeod Bethune, Eleanor Roosevelt, and my mother, you're in that category. Then she said, give me a kiss. I gave her a kiss, and I got onto the streetcar. I can remember the way the sun fell on the slats of the wooden seats. I sat there, and I thought about her. I thought, suppose she's right. She's intelligent. And she's, she says she's too mean to lie. So suppose I am going to be somebody. She released me. She freed me to say I may have something in me that would be of value. Maybe not just to me. You see? That's love. And when she was in her final sickness, I went out to San Francisco. And the doctor said she had three three weeks to live. I asked her, would you come to North Carolina? She said, yes. She had emphysema and lung cancer. I brought her to my home. She lived for a year and a half. And when she was finally, finally, in extremis, she was on oxygen and finding cancer for her life. And I remembered her liberating me. And I said, I hope I'll be able to liberate her. She deserved that from me. She deserved a great daughter, and she got one. So in her last days, I said, now, I understand that some people need permission to go. As I understand it, you may have done what God put you here to do. You were a great worker. You must have been a great uh, lover, because a lot of men, and if I'm not wrong, maybe a couple of women, risked their lives to love you. You were a piss-poor mother of small children, but you were a great, great mother of young adults. And if you need permission to go, I liberate you. 
I went back to my house, and something said, go back. I was in my pajamas. I jumped in my car and ran, and the nurse said, she's just gone. You see, love liberates. It doesn't bind. Love says, I love you. I love you if you're in China. I love you if you're across town. I love you if you're in Harlem. I love you. I would like to be near you. I'd like to have your arms around me. I'd like to hear your voice in my ear. But that's not possible now. So I love you. Go. the conversation on Twitter and Facebook at The Convo Cafe. You can tell your friends, family, and colleagues that they can listen to previous shows at blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Conversation Cafe. This has been a Studio 3408 production. Join us next week for another edition of The Conversation Cafe. And remember, where there's no dialogue, the stories Lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.